0: Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. It's December 9, 2019, and this is episode 688. This week, I'm really happy to share with you a conversation with an incredibly talented photographer, Christian Meerman. Christian was a member of my group in the Arcanum, and went on to mentor his own black-and-white photography group. As you'll see, Christian's black-and-white animal portraits are a visual treat, and his approach to architectural photography and his thought-provoking, deliberately confusing series is beautiful and profound. You can follow along with the images on the blog at mbp.ac 688, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Christian Meerman. So, Christian, welcome to the show. Yeah, hi there. Thanks for having me. <laughs> we've known each other for many years, and uh, I, I've obviously we, we worked together in the Arcanum, and you, you went on to be a mentor yourself there and had a successful group and everything. So we've got lots to talk about. Um, but the, the listeners here, the audience are going to want to know who you are. Hopefully some already do know who you are. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, Hi, I'm I'm Christian Christian Mehrmann. I live in Germany. I've been taking pictures for for oh that's a good question. I really should have thought about that <laughs> before. No, since 2007, so it's 12 years now, and yeah. um, uh, that's when I bought my first DSLR. When I'm not taking photos, I work as a teacher um, in uh, in a public school here nearby. But um, really. Um, I really like uh, taking pictures more, I have to say. Um, and, yeah, my boat, first DSLR, 2007. I think I got into it bef- because I was on, going on a, on a trip to the UK, a road trip, three weeks mm. in the UK. And I wasn't really happy with the, with the image camera, uh, quality of my point-and-shoot Olympus, I don't know, point-and-shoot, small, tiny camera, uh, mm. very noisy. Uh, except in the bright sunlight and I want I wanted something better and so I I bought a a DSLR and uh, without really knowing anything about cameras or DSLRs and you can now imagine now how the pictures look like so uh, (laughs) so it was it was um, it was a a learning curve a a little bit but it was okay and uh, yeah from that on um, yeah I, I looked at the pictures they obviously weren't that good so I wanted to improve them I got into image editing and um yeah and over the years i developed uh, well how could i say it an affinity for um black and white photography i think it started because uh, i wasn't happy with the colors i got and uh, in the very beginning black and white was a welcome escape route you know the, the picture was a mess but in black and white at least the colors didn't didn't uh, Distract you anymore. So, uh, but you know, quickly discovered the beauty of it. Um, and um, over the years, very very slowly, I I, um, I developed in in that direction. Um, I tend to take pictures in in zoos very often. I do um, mm-hmm. animal portraiture, and again, I, uh, over the years, I discovered how beautiful they are in, in black and white. And again, the the first the first animal portrait portrait in black and white with a black background it was an act of color correction you know because there was that line <laughs> we had just eaten and well, it was really 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 messy it was a go- very gory uh, and and i wanted to to remove the, the blood from from the yeah. face so i converted it to black and white and well yeah so i discovered how how beautiful it actually is and well i got into it and i've been doing it ever since
0: yeah well i mean to me one of the things that i wanted to talk about um more than anything was your black and white animal photographs and they they're incredibly striking we have a few that we're going to talk about as well Mm -hmm. and we might we might as well jump in and start talking about these at the same time for the listeners i will put a a link into the show notes, but the images will be at mbp.ac slash six eight eight. And the I'll put a, a gallery in there for people to click on and take a look at the images. Um but they they really are striking. You you've do such a wonderful job and i've never actually heard the story about why you started this so that's that's really cool i i like the fact that you did it to get rid of the the color of the blood but it also shows that you know in photography the experimentation that we do to sometimes to work around something that we we want to avoid leads to something much more beautiful so yeah, it's a, it's agree. really is nice that the story of that. Um, I want to talk about a number of things with relation to these images. So, first of all, we've got this one of the stalk um, that I'm, I've got on my screen here. Tell us a little bit about this. You know, about I mean, how do you? What sort of gear do you use? Are you using a really long lens to get in close, or are the, bird, is the are the animals very close? What sort of process is the actual? How do you start the shooting part?
1: Uh, well um of course, having done this for for a couple of years, now things have changed so in the very beginning, I was there only with my kids um so i didn 't really have much time it was really it was good luck and point and shoot and uh I had maybe five minutes for for an animal, and then my kids wanted to move on, so uh, mm. I had to leave and uh, whenever I was lucky, I got a shot, so' more or less i see like that and um but over the years, you know, I got the kids got older and uh, had more time. So I developed a little bit of patience for the animals to do something interesting. About this particular um, um, photograph here, well, that's, that's interesting because it's, it's a bit of a cheat. I, I really didn't have to, um, I didn't really wait it for, for the pelican. Uh, it's a pelican, actually, I'm not a stork. But um, uh, for, for, for it to, to, um, to get into this pose, because it it never really did. Uh, um, That is because I uh, turned, I rotated the image um, clockwise 90 degrees. Ah, I see. So actually it was was not doing this pose, it was cleaning itself. And uh, it was, uh, you were talking about happy accidents and experimentation. It was was, uh, a mistyped uh, keyboard shortcut and which caused the the image to rotate (laughs) <laughs> and that's when I thought, Hey, look at this! This is much cooler than the uh, than the, um, the original um, um, landscape orientation. And um, yeah, and that's how I, I got this this image really. So sometimes you yeah. have, sometimes you have to be lucky.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, look is always. It, you know, it's it's often an, an element, and I I'll take a bit of luck whenever I get it. And I would never have known, never have thought that this was. Um, this was rotated, but yeah, it works beautifully. I mean, it it looks, looks very natural still. Um, you, you've got some nice rim light in there and how much of the light and the quality is, is in your original and how much would you say you're, I know it's difficult to quantify, but how much would you say you're bringing out in post and along with your black and white processing?
1: I think most of the time um it's safe to say that I emphasize what is already there mm,
0: okay.
1: um, so in this particular case, the rim lighting you mentioned that was already there um in fact, uh, for my taste it, it it really is a little bit too strong, it's almost a little bit blown out. I would like to have it a little weaker or a little softer i should say and um mm. but um okay um but it it still works so um Absolutely. But, yeah, but then, you know, um, the, the contrast in, in the neck, in the curved neck, for example, um, that's mm. something that's already there, but I really have to push to bring it out. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and then what I usually do is, um, towards the edges, I, I really apply um, a sort of a vignetting effect uh, I usually um, don't use the vignette feature. I use uh, graduated filters to to make my own custom vignettes in Lightroom, or mm. in, sometimes in Silver effects Pro too. Um, and that's how I got this uh, effect uh, of the animals emerging from from the black background. Very often, and mm. in, in, in the pelican photo, you can see it on the right edge where it really it comes out of the dark.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I use the same technique on on flowers and and quite a few images and i used to use uh silver effects as well as you probably recall um but i i i haven't used it for for many years now since i switched to capture one but that's just because i can do similar things in capture one um but the i really i really do looking at them again now you know I, i really like the the look that you're getting still and um they your your animal photos have always been so appealing to me Do you do things like dropping control points on the background then, and selecting the tone and darkening those down, things like that?
1: Yeah, I I did in the past. You know, before before I um, learned more about Photoshop, I I did exactly that. So you know, Mm. turning the or blackening the background really is a multi multi step process. Mm. Uh, There is not that one tool that does it for me. Yeah. Um, um, so back in the day, for for many years, I did some some darkening in Lightroom. So not that it, the backroom, uh, the, light, the background was was black, but it was darker, and that made it easier for the fo- uh, control points and silver effects to to do the rest for me. So this is how I went about masking. Mm-hmm. Today I use different techniques involving uh, Photoshop and um, a tool that is. A little bit hidden away in there it's called the background eraser tool
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so uh, um that 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 works works really nicely so it gives me a lot more control about um the masking process especially in when it comes to to fine hair detail or feather detail
0: in this case mm, wow yeah so the the second one again a, a an incredibly striking images i mean the the detail and the, the pose in your tiger shot, um, and just how sort of... I mean, he, this guy looks regal and um, majestic, everything, all of the good words I can think of to give to an animal. Tell us a little bit about this one. I mean, what, was there, were there any happy accidents involved in this, or you know, no. did it take you very long to get the look?
1: No, not really. Actually, it was a test shot because I got my... <laughs> yeah it, it has shot in that uh, i got my new one hundred fifty to six hundred millimeter uh, mill lens and it it's three years old now and i i think it was one of the first real outings with this lens so i and this tiger was very very far away so what i did that i wasn't really expecting to to come out it, it to come out like this because uh, as usually uh, uh, with uh, as usual with um, um zoom lenses like this they Tend to get a bit soft when in the extreme focal length area, mm-hmm. and, um, so I, I, I said, "Oh come on, let's try it. Let's see what I can get out of, get out of this image." So I think it's, if I remember correctly, it's a six hundred mil shot, um, and well, it didn't get soft at all. <laughs> so I <was> quite, <laughs> quite happy about it. So I didn't. I didn't. It, it wasn't like like I was there in, the, uh, uh, in front of the, the tiger and said, "Oh, this is the pose I want to get that." So. I, Set up my, my tripod. I use I usually use the tripods when I do this, these these shots, um, and 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 only with the with the um, with the intention to see what the, the lens can do at six hundred mil. And mm. yeah, this is what I got, and I was of course very happy about it.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you were. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. So the um. It's cool that you can use a tripod. I don't know, I don't believe there are any zoos here, or at least around me here in Japan, that would allow you to use a tripod. Really? That's very nice. Yeah. They, well, there's, they they get too crowded, and and yeah. a tripod people be tripping up on the legs and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, they they are fine with you shooting, but I I believe that pretty much all of the zoos that I can drive to or get to are wouldn't allow it. Um that's nice. So I mean like I say though this guy the the texture the I love how thick his whiskers are and you know yes. you can appreciate every detail and yeah, yeah I, I mean it ice, really so is just a bit of
1: eyes. I was lucky to to, to that, yeah. that close
0: yeah. yeah yeah there's a I don't know there's almost like a film like feel to it as well with the the I know it's probably part of the actual formation of his eyes, but you've got this like grain in, deep in the eyes that looks just absolutely beautiful. Yeah,
1: I usually um, I usually use full presets too to, to 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 work on the. Oh, you do. On, on I see. And I do like a little bit of grain in my image mm. as well. Um, and uh, I also find that adding a little bit of grain to to images can sometimes help to. Um, to give the, uh, to to produce the feel of sharpness and detail.
0: Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. Utilize
1: this too in some of my images.
0: Mm. Well, I mean the, the grain in just from a technical perspective, grain is added to images on purpose to to break up the um, you know the the transitions in yeah. in uh, gradations and things. If you don't have any grain, it will always look a little bit um, a little bit steppy. So. Yeah, they, I can totally appreciate that. Obviously, I'm, I don't normally do it. It's, it's done on, in the camera. But um, yeah, I'm, I've just flicked over while we're talking uh, uh, to your third animal shot, the gorilla. Mm-hmm. And again, you've got the a beautiful sort of pensive stare. And the, Tell us a little bit about this one. Was, what, what, how did this one come about?
1: Yeah, it, it was in the Zoo of Berlin. Mm. And uh, for um, I think I didn't really use a tripod for that one because it was too too, too crowded. Really,
0: um, uh, it
1: was when the gorillas were were fed, uh, which yeah. means that there are all, almost hundreds of people there. You know, uh, f- basically fighting to get a good viewpoint. Uh, <laughs> so it was really crowded. Um, I think I. Uh, um, Oh yes, no, it was right. I I am um, I used the tripod, but I used it as a monopod. I had to uh, I see to uh, to use it as a monopod, and which uh, was quite tricky because when I do the tripod is usually a bit too large for it, and I didn't have the room to you know adjust the legs, and so it was it was like uh, you know shooting half blindly from from a little bit uh, up in the air. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but that's something I've, I've learned, really. Um, you know, um, I have a friend who, who, who uh, um, and we go, go shooting uh, together from, front, from time to time, basically landscape stuff, not, not animals. Mm. But very often, if there's a slight chance of the photo not really coming out, if the light isn't perfect, or if it's too windy, or I don't know what, mm. he always finds excuses to not take the picture. And... Um, <laughs> And I, and I and I I always say, and that's true, especially for my animal shots. I try anyway. Mm. I, I always shoot, and the worst that can happen is that I throw them away. So in this case, yeah. I might easily have said, "Oh, I can't even see what I properly what I'm shooting." Because my camera didn't have a flip-out screen and, and stuff like that. So, I, but I tried anyway, and I got this shot. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was feeding time, and you know, it has that little uh, provocative. Um, a gesture with it with its hand with the middle finger yeah. uh, but actually it, it, it wasn't of course gesturing anything it was holding food you know yeah you, you, you just couldn't see it can't see it because it's behind his hand um yeah but it was indeed looking around like like this and uh, looking at people into the eye it was you know if an animal like this looks you in the eye even through a lens it's quite
0: intense really yeah <laughs> yeah It's yeah. no it's beautiful you know, they're thinking what you were saying about the finger, there was a a shot um, a few years ago. There was a snow monkey, the the monkeys that I go to every year yeah. with my uh, with my tour guests, and one of them had a broken finger, and it was giving everybody the bird the whole time. It was like <laughs> it, it, this middle finger; it was just sticking up. It was very funny. Yeah. Um, so it re- definitely reminds me of that. So again, though, beautiful, you know, the, the way you've got this. I mean, he's just sort of coming out of the dark background yes. um, works very good. Very beautiful. Yeah, and yeah, That's using the techniques I just mentioned. Of course, there
1: was yeah. a zoo building in the background originally.
0: Yeah. Wow. Absolutely stunning. So I'm really happy that we've had a chance to look at these. And I, you told me that you, you currently have an exhibition of this work. Um, tell <laughs> us a little bit about that yeah people have been uh telling me to
1: to to have a show um for years and i i've always said oh no come on nobody's gonna nobody's coming out to see black and white animals yeah and then there was the notion of, because you know we've known each other for years and you know i've always had a little bit of a tense relationship with the art scene yeah and yeah the uh It's still a little bit like that because I've always said art is too much business and it's too academic and too, uh, whatnot. But then I found this, this venue. It's in a museum. That's not really in a photography museum. It's um, a museum for, or an art museum. It's a museum for the history of the uh, moving image. So the film of really movie making. So um, Mm. that's, but they have a small room. Um, that uh, that, is, that is reserved for um photo exhibitions, so I contacted I them, so it's not that art scene background really it's a yeah.
0: it,
1: there's a relationship to, the, to photography and filmmaking, but it's not really an art museum, so that mm. sounded okay for me and um, so I contacted the curator there, and he was well so he saw the images and was happy to 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 show them really and that's, that's how right. I, I got that
0: that's excellent i'm really pleased that that's happening i wish i could go but it's it's like halfway around the world is a yeah. little bit far for me if i was in england i would have tried to get a ticket <laughs> but uh, <laughs> okay. so so what what's the actual venue called and, and how yeah. long is the exhibition on
1: yeah it's uh, the um, so-called camera obscura in the city of mülheim an der Ruhr. Uh, that's all german but you know the locals will know it yeah. um it's um uh, that museum by the way is in the largest um, camera obscura in Europe or even the world and you can go and move and walk into in, in the camera itself it's, it's quite oh, wow. um yeah and it's uh, on until the um 16th 16th of February 2020 with a short break around the holidays but uh, mm. so it's it's on for a for a long time still and yeah if you
0: nearby go see it yeah, that's excellent. I I hope that uh, the you know at least some of the audience are able to get to go and see that. I would love to see H- how how are you presenting the images? How many images do you have on on show?
1: Yeah, um, there's uh, there are thirty four thirty four photos on nice. display. And they're all uh, on aluminium prints, or Ooh. how do you say aluminium or aluminium? I don't know.
0: I I would say aluminium, but I know that our friends over the pond would say aluminium. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's
1: an American English thing, though. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah and uh, um, it's uh, printed directly on on um, aluminium, mm. and um, sizes are between thirty by thirty or thirty by forty-five centimeters.
0: Oh, nice. That's got to be so stunning. I wish I could see. Yeah,
1: I, was, um, I was so surprised when I, when the things got on the wall. Mm. Because I was... I originally, uh, I I would have um, preferred uh, prints, prints on paper, really. But, yeah, um, yeah it wasn't possible because um, the, the frames and the glass of the frames uh, they would have provided in the museum, they were all... Um, oh, what's the word? They would all reflect the light. There was no yeah. uh, anti-glare coating or whatever it's called uh, on that, and, and I think that wouldn't have worked with more or less dark portraits there would't have been yeah. too much reflection so I thought said okay, I go, go down, I go with aluminium and when I saw it on the walls it, it was it was stunning i was I was yeah. you know, I'm really uh, overcritical with my work, but when I saw it there it was it was gorgeous
0: yeah i I can imagine i and those uh, and all metal prints are they've got a, a depth that you yeah. It's almost like the daguerreotype, although obviously the daguerreotype was a different thing. But there's a depth in there that you just can't explain until you see it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, envious of anyone that can come that can come to your show. The other type of photography that you do that has always been um, I've always considered to be very beautiful is your architecture. I want to. You've you've sent a number of images uh, that are architecture related, but also related to your um, your deliberately confusing series and post. So, I'm going to bring up the so the, the next one that I've got here is the one looks like the glass sidings with something showing from inside. Um tell tell us a little bit about this and and as these tie into your deliberately confusing series, we'll talk about that as well. Okay. Well, the one you just mentioned, it it doesn't tie in that deliberately confusing
1: series. It's part of another series, but there are not so very different. Uh, yeah. I'll explain how. Um, I'll explain, and um, I will explain that in in a second. So this one's mm. in a series called Echoes, and which was uh, again in the very beginning of my uh, um, um, interest in, in in architectural photography. So I went to that place, which is. Um, uh, um, a former rocket base, nuclear rocket base in nearby oh. here, and yeah. which was now repurposed. And this is an art museum, really. Uh, that I see. At. So, and um, well, um, and what I tried to do in the field was I was exploring how a polarizer would work with windows. I see. And that's how that semi uh, transparent. Um, um, Got into the picture, and if you look yeah. at the picture, you can see the, um,
0: the, the the
1: walls behind the window, but as well the reflection of the clouds.
0: Yeah, um, the, there's the, a flock of larks or something down in the bottom there as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah
1: that's what it's. You know, uh, that's what makes the shot more than an uh, architectural architecture yeah. photograph because I um, I put it i put the birds in there using Photoshop and uh, the the the, the, uh, the idea about the Echo series is that there is always something in the image um, in a reflection, but it isn't there in the real world.
0: I see. So That's very image, cool.
1: You see the birds uh, in the reflection, but you don't see the birds in, in the real world. And, mm. uh, um, in another image from that series, you will see that there is a shadow of a person and uh,
0: not the, and, and not the person itself. I see, so that's the one with the the statues in there as well, is it?
1: No, 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 that's the one with that a dark building and you see through uh you see through a an opening in the building and to to some grass and some trees, and then there's that shadow. it's a portrait format image. It's called uh, I see and try echoes number ten. that's somewhere in the name.
0: uh let me open let me see the titles uh echoes number ten. uh i see oh i see what you're saying the shadow on the floor i've got it oh yeah 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 yeah. Uh, that's that's something that you find in
1: almost every image
0: of the echo series
1: Mm. so i put that in there
0: yeah these are these are what i often recall to as easter eggs yeah. It's uh, something that you have to search for a little bit. And then when you find it, it's like getting a treat. It's something to visually chomp um, yeah. into, like opening an Easter egg. Well, Very nice.
1: pretty obvious right now, but there are some more subtle Easter eggs
0: in those images uh, yeah. of that series. Wow. Well, I this one's so subtle that I, I looked at this. It's the next one in, in line alphabetically, and I looked at it straight away. I didn't even see the... Um, okay. I, I guess the thing is, is I was looking for something different. Um, so maybe it's easier if you just look straight at the image without a, a preconception. Yeah. But either way, it's yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's what I love about your work, the way you think through, through these things and conceptualize. And um, your execution is always is always just so spot on.
1: Yeah. The thing about concepts is um, that I very often don't have them while I'm shooting. So all these are, Uh, that's something that comes in post. And in in this particular series, it it even goes a step further because I I then thought it would be a good idea if I pair these images with some quotes from books or poems or whatever that have the word echo in, in them. So I, so I see. searched the web for for, for for quotes and I really wrote down every quote I found with the word yeah. echo in it. Yeah. Then even further, even four weeks later, I found out that all these quotes I found some somehow subconsciously, I um I must have picked those quotes really out. I must um, um, that they all have to do with loss and um and uh, losing somebody and now there's only the echo of them left. Oh wow! So, so you see, it didn't have the, these ideas in the beginning, as I told you. Um, it was an experimental day for me, You're learning how to use the polarizer. That's what I had in mm. mind while I was while I was, <laughs> while I was shooting, and then you know, it all comes out gradually, uh, step um, week after week. Sometimes it takes months for the stuff to come yeah. out. Uh,
0: it's I'm, I love it though. Uh, that's that to me is is just uh, the reason why your work's so special because you. You, you come up with these things over time. And you, you, I know that you have a, a thing about academia and, and artsy-fartsiness and all of that. Um, but to me, I mean, it, I don't know if it's, it's like my mum my had a hard time um, with me because I'm too much like my dad. <laughs> and and they, they split up when I was a kid. And so, so she, um, she had a hard time with me. She'd always say, oh, you're so much like your dad. And I knew that that was a bad thing. Um, I actually quite like it because I love my dad. <laughs> and I, and I, um, I, you know, but I think that maybe you've got such a, I mean, you are a teacher in your, in your day job. You've got the strong academic connections. And so the, maybe the closeness to academia is what causes that sort of stuff. But well, it comes out be. in your work. No, it, that would be ironic, does. really. <laughs> <laughs> but, but your work's ironic. You know, I mean that—that is—that's uh, ironic in itself, and I—and I mean that in the best possible way. Um, I think that you—you know—it's just—it's so beautiful the way you do this stuff. So we, I'm, I've actually pulled up a, the the next image in line now, which is the uh, another the side of a building with the plant inside and the yeah. the walls. Yeah, well, tell the us tree, a little bit about this.
1: The tree in four foyer. Yeah. This was really something. One of those occasions when I really wanted to shoot something complex and complicated. It's part of my deliberately confusing series, because uh, well, well, that's all. There's another thought behind that. Uh, you know, uh, having been in the arcanum for so many years and having learned about photography in, mm. uh, in the internet, I've never really formally learned photography in any way. It's I learned what I learned on, on social media, um, really. And um, but I found that. All the rules and tips and tricks you have you, you find there they are they work together in an, um, to, they work together so that photography gets unified because whenever you whenever you um, disregard the rules whenever you try to do something new there's always somebody always somebody who tells you, "Oh come on, you forgot that rule you must that rule. you must follow that rule <laughs> and um also, whenever you 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 you, uh, you leave the mainstream, you mm-hmm. know the mainstream that is really um, created by people who follow all the rules. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever you do that, you always get less and less likes. So, <laughs> yes, that's that's the fact. I know, I know what you mean. I, I know hated you mean. that. I hated that yeah. because I thought, okay, these might not be the best images. Oh, granted, but they are creative. I was trying, I was experimenting, and how can people really not even try or they don't even want to try to see what I was trying to show them? know, the mm. that's, that's what photography is about for me as a viewer, not as a creative, but as a viewer. When I look at an image, I find out what it is that the uh, the artist, the photographer is trying to tell me. And it's not about me trying to see something in the image that maybe the the photographer isn't trying to say at all, no. So so, so yeah. that that's what that's what this this all this this thing is all about. So um, in those years, or I don't know, it may be still true. But uh, I found that minimalism was a big thing. So people wanted mm. images to be simple and easily mm. accessible, and I said no. And, um, I would do the exact opposite, more or less as an act <laughs> of a rebellion. So I wanted to, the image to be complex. Mm. I wanted to more or less, yeah, it's a strong word, behavior, but to, not to or so to make the viewer to uh, work with the image, to um, decrypt it. To, I wanted the image, didn't want the image to be diffi- uh, easy to understand. I wanted it to be difficult to understand. And I was hoping that once the viewer was doing that, Uh, Once, once the viewer did that, he he would have uh, something like an aha moment, and this that's something uh, that can maybe that could happen in this in this uh, in this image about the tree in the foyer, because Mm. it is in uh, uh, obviously a foyer that is what that was protruding from the wall. It stood out a little, and that and the foyer was so big that they they actually had a huge tree inside. Mm. Uh, Hmm. That's. What I found interesting here, because obviously you don't expect trees to be inside of buildings,
0: no, especially
1: yeah. trees that are not so big, and uh, the, or the trees that are so big. So I thought, yeah, maybe would if they see it, they would try to decode it as a, a reflection, and they would that would not work because obviously it is not a reflection, and they would uh, try to see it and somehow discover that this must be inside the building. Hmm. Um, and that would be their aha moment and yeah. um yeah so that was the idea for this shot and basically similarly uh, for all the shots in the Deliber- deliberately confusion series
0: yeah I, I again i love it I, it's I, I know what you mean i mean people people will always try to find f- flaws or faults in an image and sometimes can't see past the creativity that you're that you're trying to instill in it um, i I stopped listening to people online probably before you got into photography um so, so you're talking about two thousand seven or so when you got i mean i at the beginning of the two thousands, i i posted more i was more active posting on places like flickr and stuff um and and it it didn't take long to to bump into what you were talking about you know and i i Again, I, I don't feel as though I'm I'm like one of the best photographers out there by, by a millionth of a shot. I I'm I'm not under any delusions, but I I know that for me, if I if I post something online, it means that I'm happy with it. Um and so I don't necessarily need someone to tell me why they dislike the image. And it, it be, part, partly because I don't trust the person um their motives. A lot of the time I, I want to hear whether my wife tells me that she thinks a shot of mine sucks. I listen because I trust her. And I know that her motives are to try to help me to become a better artist and photographer. But some some guy in a in, in a basement, I don't know what his motives are. I don't know his background. I've got no reason to trust him. So I've got no reason to actually listen to that feedback. And And that for me was... I mean, it's very similar feeling to what you're saying. And so I totally relate to all of that. Um, and I I think that, I mean, we, we should all just try to take in people's art at face value. We don't have to like it. And we don't have to necessarily voice our, our um, feelings either. I think, I think most of the time for me, the main thing is, if I ask someone's opinion, I want an honest opinion and I, I will... Decide whether I act on the on that opinion or not. If I don't ask for it, I'm, I actually just rarely want it. So uh, it's just it's just how I am.
1: Yeah, I I, I totally get that. And, and again, ironically, even if I ask, sometimes I do or I did. I do that. I do that as much as I did that as I did before. Now, but um, when I did that a couple of years ago, mm. more often than not, whenever I asked, I didn't get uh, I didn't get answers
0: uh yeah, yeah yeah
1: that's 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 the irony in it when you when when you ask people don't, yeah. answer. If they don't ask they they do answer but uh, you don't want to hear it so that's yeah. that's a shame but again I, sorry
0: no yeah i mean i was i was gonna say i mean that was the thing with our i mean i you were one of the um the mentees in in my first um well, my only—it um, was—it took a long time uh, over a couple of, over a couple of years. But you were one of the first people to join um, what they called my cohort in the Arcanum, and it's actually it's quite nostalgic talking about this now. It seems like a million years ago when we were doing this. But yeah. um, I remember, you know, we we did um, structured critique sessions when yeah. I I would spend, um, you know, the the sessions were often about thirty minutes long. I would spend an hour preparing for each of those sessions because I wanted to make sure I gave people something of value when we spoke. And, and, you know, hopefully it was for, for many of the people that we, that I work with. But um, I I think that they are the more valuable things these days. You know, if you, if you get in a situation where you can actually have a mentor or someone um, that you trust, give you their honest opinion about, about your work and alongside uh, feedback that can help you to improve or to at least understand why that person developed their own particular um, views on your work, then that's much more valuable than just open comments from an audience or from a group that you don't really know that well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think uh, <laughs> the, the day the Academy went south was, uh, I think it was a great loss for the internet because I still believe the the concept was was fantastic, really. Um, mm. maybe, maybe it wasn't uh, the right time for something like the Academy. I don't know. But I think it yeah. was great, and I agree with everything you said about it. And I can tell you that, um, uh, yeah, you provided lots of value. And In fact, very often uh, I still find that I realize things that I learned from you back in those days. I, I realize the value of those things today. I didn't really oh, that's great. understand, understood it back then. But now, when I'm in a few and uh, sometimes I say, "Oh, that's why Martin said that." And sometimes, <laughs> and sometimes, uh, sometimes I rediscover something. You know, something I forgot because I don't do landscapes all the time today. And mm. When I mm. do that, ah, yeah, that's right. Okay, that's that. That's what Martin said, and uh, it was very, very helpful. Really.
0: Uh, well, that's good. I'm pleased that I'm pleased that that happened. Yeah. so the next the next image I've pulled up is the one with the statues reflecting and the um the person's shadow again. Tell yeah. us about this one.
1: yeah well, that was that was uh, I was really happy about that one because um it's absolutely not obvious uh, from the image um, but uh, apparent uh, actually the the statues aren't reflecting aren't they? No, they aren't. what, you, what is you're the looking window, at, the wall is reflecting? Yeah, the wall is reflecting, exactly.
0: <laughs>
1: Brilliant. <laughs> we're behind the window. And uh, I was so busy adjusting the polarizer to get that effect that I hardly even noticed the person walking by creating the shadow. I see. So, but, oh, uh, wow. Of course, I was happy when I realized, oh, come on, that's, that's, that's that shadow because it added another layer to that already difficult to
0: do, to decode image. Mm. Oh, I love that i would have I would have put the I would have put a three figure dollar amount on that being the 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 the, um, the statues reflecting the fact that it's the other way around is awesome
1: yeah, I actually wrote a blog post about how this image uh, how I took this image and what, what what the light did and what was the reflection mm. and what was not reflection so well
0: let's that's a good segue into ta- i mean your your uh, your blog i will obviously put a a link to this in the in the post for this uh, episode uh, but your your blog is at chm-photography.com and yep. then under the under the blog menu so i will like I say i'll put links in i'm also going to put a link in uh to your deliberately confusing post because I mean that's a great post. I really like the the views that you're expressing there. Um, I think that the you know your comment about uh, near the top about a lot of the time the people that are trying to teach us stuff are self-professed masters and stuff, and and I think that there's there's a lot of danger in that these days. I think it's obviously the internet has has leveled the playing the playing field. Anyone can be whatever they want. Um, but I think that, um, you know, what you're talking about here is very powerful in that, you know, that I think we have to be careful who we try and, and learn from. And yeah. I, would, I would think that there are very few people online that I would consider. I mean, obviously, you, you can tell when someone's the real deal when they've actually got something valuable. But when you're looking, it can be difficult to sift out the, the ones that are, are not quite there, can't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think even though the internet gives us the opportunity to be and do whatever we want, uh, I think it's sometimes important to remind ourselves that we shouldn't do everything that we could. Because, oh, that's true. Yeah, so uh, I, of course I could open my mouth and pretend I was a great photographer and do great color work, for example. But should I really do that? No. Maybe I have a thing or two to say about black and about uh, black and white photography. That might be true. But you know, but I could be everything and act everything I uh, um, I wanted on the internet. And, and mm. I, I think you're right. It's difficult sometimes to discern what what uh, what the real deal is, and you know. Mm. Not.
0: Yeah, I I think that the thing is, is you you have to, it's like, um, it's like workshops, tours and workshops. I mean, I've I've been running my workshops for 14 years now, I think it is. And it's, you know, I've got so many behind me and so many people out in the world talking about how great an experience they had that, a lot of the people that come on my tours now have heard from, about the tour from another person who's been on the tour. Yeah. So that word of mouth is kind of, it gives me credibility as a tour leader and people know that they can come and get a, a good experience. But when you, when you book on something based purely on, you know, what you find on the web, if there's, if there's I think the important thing is to always try and find some sort of um, either references or authentic um what's the word? The testimonials, things like that. I mean, all of my tour pages have a few testimonials on there from people that have joined. I don't get them from everybody that comes because it it's it's a pain to actually write them. So I just ask people and those that really feel strongly will give me give me some words. But I think it's really important to find and, and look and make sure that the person you're either learning from or you're or you're thinking of booking on a, a workshop with and that really does have a a background and of course from your perspective you're you're a professional teacher anyway and so you know that that in it may be a different a different area but teaching is not something that you can do just because you're good at something
1: that's right yeah yeah it's knowing something is one thing uh uh, explaining something is something completely different and uh, uh that's, uh, yeah, I realized that uh, quite recently myself, you know, even as a teacher, I couldn't, I couldn't teach my, my son how to play the drums. You know, I've been, uh-huh. as a hobbyist, playing the drums uh, for, quite, for, for for many years now, down in my basement, I have an electronic drum kit. And well, then my son picked up the drumsticks and, and said, come on, teach me, what must I do? Yeah. <laughs> And I just didn't. I was giving him things to play that were much too difficult and I had no clue uh, uh, what, what, what the, the best first steps steps were. So uh, knowing something, and I, know, I know a little bit how to play the drums myself, but that doesn't really
0: enable me to teach the, the playing. And that's the same for everything, yes. Mm. Yeah, that's a great example, a great example. So I, like I say, I'm going to put a link to... To that post into the show notes i i think that it's definitely worth a read from uh from anyone that's interested and i'm gonna let me just go back find our folder of photos again and let me take a look at what the next one we've got two more here um the second to last one is the one with the glass and the the circular the cylindrical pillar inside yeah tell us a little bit about this that was in berlin as well in uh uh,
1: one of the buildings where the German parliament is is working um, it's a very public and transparent fa- place uh, chosen in the architecture because there's much glass there and, mm. and again it's the same concept me using the polarizer and trying to find just the right balance that makes it difficult to to see what is mm. reflection and what is actually behind the glass so yeah. um, excellent. And that's, well, that's, again, following the rule or the, the concept of the deliberately confusing series, which, by the way, yeah. I, whenever I do photography or architectural photography, i I've still looking for things that I could add, can add to that series because I found it much more fascinating than, you know, just putting a building and then be, mm. be, be, gone, be done with it.
0: Well, that that's a, that's a good point. I mean working in series building series of images is something that uh, it always helps our photography and uh, as a learning experience but also i think it helps to build these more powerful bodies of work and you you know you don't necessarily have to do it's like you're doing your your black and white animals and you're deliberately confusing series sort of in parallel you you don't necessarily have to do one and complete it and then move on. Just keep your your um, options in mind and just shoot and add to the to the series whenever the opportunity arises.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I find that you know uh, it's it builds up something that I like to call uh, visually uh, visual vocabulary. Once mm. You're into that series, you start to see compositions, frames, images in situations where otherwise you might not have seen it if you haven't done all the work in that area before.
0: Mm, uh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's something I think Ralph Gibson, uh, is. Uh, he always quotes something, another teacher of his, I think it was Dorothea uh, yes. she she told this concept, you know, Point of Departure, I think, that's whenever he he gets interviewed he tells that story tells that story and yeah. I think it's if i understand it correctly it's about the same thing you know you have that that project that starting point animal projects uh abstract reflections something like that then you have something to work on and uh then you that really um determines how you see and what you look at and uh yeah uh and that, well, that that comes into my mind when i when 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 you said your 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 stuff about projects i think it's
0: important yeah yeah uh, okay so we i've got the last image on my screen now the one uh the last in the list uh, so it's uh, it's the the shape in the in like two two, two triangles together and the pillar or the um the reflection of the outside world again in there tell us a little bit about this last one
1: it was uh, taken in the city of clear which is really not uh, a city anybody must know really it's quite a boring place but they do have a university there and that is interesting in terms of architecture and hmm. so i went to that campus and uh, found that uh, building which is some i don't know university building and um what you see there is actually a staircase going down. Um, oh, uh, And uh, I think even in that white shape there, you can see the beginning of a handrail. Yeah, yeah. And I, I loved how um, all these shapes from the reflections and from the transparency, something that is behind me, something that's behind the window, add to that really abstract and uh, almost slightly cubistic uh, uh, image really so it's mm. it's not yeah. in, not instantly um recognizably irre- recognizable what i'm actually looking at there it must be yeah. building that much it's clear but i i think for a viewer who who, who sees this image for the first time it, it should take him a, a, a long time to figure out what's going on there
0: yeah absolutely and, and then you i love the fact that you've got this beautiful dramatic sky in there as well. Um, you know, that, they, that adds so much texture to the image, I would say. Um, even even in the shadows, it makes the, not the shadows, the reflections. It makes the reflections so much more interesting. Yeah. But then you, then you look through that and you start to look down the stairs. You notice the rails, as you say. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those, it's an Easter egg sort of thing. You've got to work for it. But then there's a nice reward as you start to understand, yeah. and and you have to sort. It's almost like peeling off layers. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, You have to beat absolutely. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I was. All, I almost said it's. It's so cool that they've got a CHM sticker on the window down there as well. But I realised that that's your that's your <laughs> watermark. Yeah, <it> is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that oh, brilliant! Brilliant. Well, Christian, let's um. Let's see. I I know that I have a in my uh, little framework that I've been referring back to. I I see that I've already answered the last thing as which was where people can find you online. As far as far as um, your your chmphotography dot concerned, are you are you on Instagram and and on some of the other yeah. networks?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm I'm up on on Flickr. That's maybe the, the uh, the network, network where I'm uh, most active, really, Flickr. Um, you can find mm. me there. Um, okay. and I'm, from there, I post stuff on uh, from Instagram to Instagram. So uh, people don't really have to follow both networks. I basically post the same stuff on on, on both of them. Um,
0: okay.
1: Post on Flickr first, and uh, maybe if you are on a computer, you should check out Flickr. And mm. if you are on on a cell phone, maybe uh, Instagram might be the
0: better choice. And you can't, you okay.
1: sh- should be able, uh, I think I have links to both networks on my website.
0: Yeah. I'm just looking here now on on the right side, you have, uh, you have a series of icons for the stuff that you're interested. So this is great. I'm sure that people will be able to come across and feast on, on a lot of your Easter eggs and your other work <laughs> that you've, uh, that you've put out there. Um, but uh, do you have anything else that you want to add before we wrap up Christian? Oh, ah, well, uh, well, not really actually. <laughs> so yeah. no, that's, that's okay. Okay. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been wonderful speaking with you again. It must have been at least, at least two or three years, maybe two yeah. years or so. So right. it's lovely to actually just sit and have a conversation. And I'm, I'm really pleased that we've got a chance to share this with, with the audience. And, uh, so good luck with, the, you know, your continued work. Um, congratulations on your show and uh, I hope that we get a chance to get back together again, maybe in a few years' time and talk about what else you've been up to.
1: Yeah, I, I, like, I liked it very much. It was good talking to you, Martin. Thanks for having me again. And maybe we should no. do something like uh, an Academy reunion one day, you know.
0: Yeah, that would be just great.
1: Just something or two Yeah. Just have a little chat. That
0: yeah, nice. absolutely. All right. Well, really, thank you, Christian, and uh, we'll, we'll catch up again s- at some point soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Christian Merman as much as I did. Thanks very much for listening today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share a link with your friends. Subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast program to ensure interrupted delivery. If you have a moment to rate the podcast or leave us a review in iTunes, that helps to keep us relevant in the huge number of podcasts out there now. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn, and links to everything that I'm up to are at martinbaileyphotography.com. so do drop by and take a look. I'll be back next week with another episode, but in the meantime you take care and have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye-bye.